But until we wake up and understand that we've got to stop accepting these meager morsels of performative politics for the sakes of clicks and votes and grandstanding, then can we really be upset with our congressional Congress, with our Republican Congress, for being spineless and toothless? Consistently, might I add. So as long as we are accepting of this do-nothing grandstanding nonsense, you cannot expect anything realistically to change. What that means is voters have got to start waking up and educating themselves and seeing through the lies. Welcome to the All-American Savage Show podcast with your host, John Burke, and his far more attractive co-host, me. Now, let's get into it. That's what your mom said. to the All-American Savage Show podcast. We got the emotions best of my love coming to you live from KQXY. No, it's just me in the studio today, folks. Uh, Happy Thursday to you. Hopefully you're having a wonderful day today. It is beautiful here in Dallas, Texas. The weather seems to have made up its mind to be pretty decent, like 60s-ish. It's t-shirt weather for those of us here in Texas. Um, Which again, if you're like up north in Montana and stuff like that, like negative 30 is it's considered t-shirt weather to y'all. So I guess that means really nothing comparatively. So appreciate you guys being here today. Uh, unfortunately, Josh is not here today with us in the studio, mainly because uh, he has been fired. Uh, Josh has decided to, no, I'm serious. Josh has decided to continue uh, his endeavors and pursue a different career. He felt like CBD was not his thing anymore. And he's instead decided to pursue a career in adult uh, gay pornography entertainment. And we here at Shellshock wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors. Uh, that being said, ShellshockCBD.com lubricant is on sale today, 20% off. That's right. What are you waiting for? You know, it's, you can now play hide the finger and not have it, you know, actually hurt. And it uh, makes it uh, less gay, you know. So you should definitely check that out. That is uh, over on ShellshockCBD.com. We have the lubricant and the Delta 8 chocolate Folks, don't you want your significant partner or whoever it is, whatever gender they are, to have a really good time this uh, this Valentine's Day? Well, who wouldn't? Well, you know, Hitler wouldn't. I had nothing else to reference, so I just went with that. Anyway, you want them to have a good time, right? Well, why not take some of our Delta Bar chocolate? This is made at the Willy Wonka factory. No, it's really not. Uh, <laughs> this is made at the special factory in Magical Land where you can get your chocolate made. And by the way, it's Delta 8. The stuff is amazing. It's THC. It's going to get you high as a kite. And have I mentioned how great the sex is? Even sex with yourself. That's right. Even that still feels incredibly better on Delta 8. What are you waiting for? If you're single, hey, this deal is really for you. Get that lubricant. Get the chocolates and just, you know. Love thyself. Again, shellshockcbd.com. Um, I believe it is, uh, what is the damn code? Uh, Tyler, I need a write up for this. I think it's V-Day, V-Day 20. What is it? You know, you should know this audience. You should know this. <laughs> this is why we're never going to be on Fox. Uh, anyway, nah, Josh is going to be here later today. He'll be back on the show tomorrow. Oh, man. 
Today, uh, the SCOTUS takes on the case of Donald Trump in regards to being removed from the ballot. And as I've stated on the show previously and many times before, I don't agree with that positioning as far as the Colorado Supreme Court stands on this one. I've listened to, I, you know, I listened to bits and pieces of the SCOTUS um, hearing today and Trump's lawyers in there basically making the argument of that, you know, He's arguing the cosmetics of the Constitution, the, the way it's articulated, how it excludes the presidency if it was, in fact, an insurrection. I kind of I was a little confused at the beginning because it did it did make the case or for me, it sounded like his lawyer was making the case that it was an insurrection. But Trump, he himself did not participate in it later in the hearing. He then again clarified, maybe I misunderstood that said, like, no, it wasn't an insurrection. But also, even if it was, Trump did not participate in it. So it was a little confusing where this guy's points were, but it seemed like the SCOTUS judges were, um, and we're going to get to some of the things that were said, but um, it was very interesting. I, I genuinely feel the Supreme Court is going to strike this down, say it's unconstitutional. You have to let Trump on the ballot. But then again, it could be a state's rights issue because each state is responsible for enshrining and protecting its own voting process. So if a state feels a a, a president committed an, or helped commit an insurrection, it could validate their reasoning as to why he should not be on that ballot. I genuinely disagree with this because I think it's a matter of an opinion. Uh, a SCOTUS can, uh, state SCOTUS can come together and say it's a matter of opinion that we feel like he did participate in an insurrection and therefore uh, condemn him and say that he cannot be on the battle, battle, excuse me, ballot. But that's also not a conviction. Trump, Trump wasn't convicted. Matter of fact, neither were any of the January 6th um, participants of actual insurrection. I see where the, the cases can be made on both sides. Now, I heard the re- re- responses, the rebuttal um, by the uh, representative that disagreed with removing Trump for the ballot or keeping Trump on the ballot. And their response was just um, hyperbole. It, it was it was honestly, it was an emotionally charged statement that a president who committed an insurrection, blah, blah, blah. And it's going to fall on deaf ears. When you hear someone trying to make that legal defense, it's, it's playing upon the emotion of those listening. And there's no logical reasoning behind it. Again, it's a failed process. I really, I genuinely feel like this, the SCOTUS is going to rule in favor of Trump's team. And, and I think they should. I, I genuinely feel they should. I think it, this was over the top. This is states trying to engage in lawfare. Now, again, I am not a fan of Donald Trump, but I'm going to call balls and strikes on this show. I don't feel like the SCOTUS was, um, the Colorado SCOTUS was correct on this one. Uh, and I'll, by, so by the way, they haven't made up their mind yet. The hearing is still going on live. Um, well, actually, I think they, they ended it for today. I could be wrong on that one. Um, I was listening to a lot of the after interviews and such, but I did get to listen into a lot of it during the gym this morning. Um, and let's get into it right now with the news. It's going to be a shorter episode today. SCOTUS hears Trump's ballot oral arguments. Justices appear skeptical of removal as they should. I, I genuinely feel like they should be skeptical of this. This is unconstitutional. I don't like this idea. This is again, this we have gone into this realm of if we don't like a political opponent, we can drag them through the courts and then have these these state-level SCOTUSes say that we feel, based upon our feelings, this person should not be allowed to be on the ballot. It's like, I don't feel like that's fair to voters. I feel like that gives too much power to one court to rule based upon an opinion. And again, they've appealed it. They went to the Supreme Court, as they should. And I, I, I genuinely feel like the SCOTUS is going to overturn this. And they're going to be like, no, you got to let them run. And I think that's the right call to make. I genuinely do. So, sorry, I had to adjust the camera there. All right, here we go. Um, Former President Donald Trump said it was unfortunate his candidacy is being challenged in Colorado and other states after the Supreme Court concluded oral arguments. I just finished watching Supreme Court, you know, like to watch in many respects. It's unfortunate that we have to go through the thing like that, Trump told reporters at the press conference at Mar-a-Lago. I consider it to be more election interference by the Democrats. That's what they're doing. Good news is we're leading virtually every poll. Now, I do remember that the SCOTUS in Colorado, this was at the hands of Republicans, wasn't it? I think Republicans in, in Colorado wanted this, which was just kind of like, meh, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm, I'm just saying that that was what was uh, speculated out there. The higher court heard arguments Thursday on whether Trump should be disqualified from the ballot in Colorado for an inciting an insurrection at his January 6, 2021 rally at the Capitol. I've said this even back then. Again, I'm not voting for Donald Trump, but I will not blame him for January 6 for inciting an insurrection. People were going down there en masse to protest, which is their First Amendment. That is their protected right to do. And unfortunately, 
when you have a group of that magnitude that is very, very emotionally charged, as many were on that day, um, you're going to get into this this group mentality, a hive-minded mentality. Now, if you've ever been at a protest, if you've ever been, ever been to a sporting event, look at the NFL, um, you, you feel the energy in the crowd. And when the crowd has its instigators, like you saw uh, with the likes of... Um, Ray Epps and the rest of them screaming, we're going into the Capitol, all these other things. And I do feel like there was federal involvement in this one. I do. I feel like this was a major setup. But all that being said, I don't feel like legally you could pin this on Donald Trump. I just don't see you having an argument on this one. They've tried. They failed. The January 6th committee, that was a massive waste of taxpayer money. Still don't know who the pipe bomber is, by the way. Waiting on that one. Great job, FBI. But we can go after florists that live in other states that were just there at the protest. We can go after all these other people that literally weren't even on the Capitol grounds. It's curious. But at the same time, where was Trump for these people? Oh, people don't know which way to go with me now. <laughs> they don't know which way to go with me now. Uh, Trump called the oral arguments a beautiful process and said, I hope the Democrat, Dem excuse me, I hope that democracy in this country will continue. You have millions of people that are out there wanting to vote and they happen to want to vote for me or the Republican Party, whichever you want or however you want to phrase it. But I'm the one running and we are leading in every poll. Trump said calling the supporters received a great honor. <clears throat> I agree with him. I think in a sense that, um, you know, you should be uh, you should be allowed to be on the ballot. We've got another one. Uh, Breitbart News Daily Podcast says uh, Breitbart senior legal analyst. Now, again, Breitbart, you got to remember they are massively pro-Trump. Just take that into consideration because a lot of these MSN outlets, these MSM outlets do lean a particular way. And you have to remember that when reading a lot of their articles. Breitbart is massively pro-Trump. They do keep it a little bit uh, better hidden than most outlets do. Uh, I will give them that. They do report uh, a lot of... Um, non-Trump related issues, but you don't see them running anything that's kind of like really in the uh, category of anti-Trump. And when I say anti-Trump, that's just those that look at a story that paints Trump in a negative light and they say, well, this must be against Donald Trump, even when that story is just presenting facts. Um, Breitbart senior legal analyst joins Mike Slater discuss pre... Okay, so this is a thing for their podcast. Oh, never mind. I did listen to uh, Alito. Alito rushed in to save a flailing Trump lawyer. This is coming to us from MSM uh, U.S. News Politics um, raw story. This is an opinion one. I listened. I listened to this thing. I did not hear Donald Trump's lawyer um, flail about. He was very consistent in his arguments. They made sense to me. I mean, you were. He was arguing. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was speaking legalese. He was arguing, arguing on the wording of a lot of these things they were trying to apply to Donald Trump to get him removed for the under the insurrection clause. Uh, there was a lot that was in this. But the questions these judges were asking seemed to lean in favor of like they were get, trying to get an understanding here of where Trump was coming from, or at least his lawyer's representation of the case. Um, Donald, and again, so when I read this article, they're painting this as if, as if Trump's lawyer was kind of like on thin ice here or didn't know what he was talking about. I listened to it. It he made, he presented some very good, some very good cases, but I don't know, maybe that's just my opinion on this one. Um, Donald Trump lawyer, Jonathan Mitchell had a rough start to the arguments in Trump v. Anderson on Thursday before the U.S. Supreme Court, legal analysts noted. Live tweeting the proceedings, several attorneys couldn't help but notice that Mitchell was struggling. The nation's legal analyst, Ellie Mistel, explained that Mitchell was caught by Justice Elena Kagan making an argument that wasn't based on the text of the Constitution. Um, you're not making a constitutional argument. You're making a, a statutory preemption argument. Is that right? He asked, or she asked. Mistel uh, noted that one of the fun things about Trump arguments is that it's actually not grounded in constitutional law. Conservative Justice Amy Coney Barrett uh, joined with Kagan in the argument, which is when Mitchell was forced to admit that his argument wasn't a constitutional one. Mistel pointed out that Justice Samuel Alito came to the rescue by restating Mitchell's argument for him since he was flailing. Well, to be fair, a lot of these justices were kind of like bombarding him with questions going in different directions, and he was trying to take on each one individually. I listened to this thing, and it's kind of like one justice would ask a question um, about this certain uh, part of his statement, and they would basically kind of try and stay on track, but they were asking him questions in different, different directions. So it's like imagine fielding various different questions and just trying to go uh, different directions at the same time while still maintaining a semblance of what the hell is my argument. I will give him that. It actually, he did a good job on this one. So this article, I don't know. I don't know if I really agree with this. I listened to this and folks, you can go on YouTube. You can listen to this yourself as well. If you disagree, uh, put it in the comments below why you disagree. I, again, I listened to this, this thing and he did a pretty good job. 
Um, Jeg Sugarman, a Boston University professor, also pointed out that Alito picks back up on Mitchell's argument that Colorado is impermissibly adding a qualification for office. The exchange isn't illuminating. It seems clear enough from the text of Section 3 that it's a disqualification from office, i.e. a new qualification. He went on to call it a weird argument. Uh, I don't know if I really would call it that. I mean, again, he was arguing about how in some situations it it talked about how uh, the positioning of officers, it talked about essentially... Um, not even saying verbatim the presidency, the president of the United States. Um, he, he tried taking different approaches to this one, which in legalese, in my mind, is like you could probably actually argue that point in court. Um, I don't know if it'll pass or not. But again, it just seemed to me like a lot of the judges seem to kind of be in agreement of the fact of like this is probably not a constitutional thing to be able to remove somebody from the ballot that you just don't like and you felt led an insurrection. Um, people are speculating that they said they might have a ruling by this weekend. I would hope today. Because I kind of feel like um, that's a pretty simple. That's a pretty simple thing to come together on. And say, look, uh, we can all agree this is not constitutionally based, right? Like, it's just not. But that's also why Trump is trying to push go for that immunity aspect of it, which has been denied, by the way. Supreme Court justices indicate they'll keep Trump on 2024 ballot in landmark cases. Article comes to us from the New York Post. Uh, Washington, a clear majority of the Supreme Court's nine justices signaled Thursday that they would overturn a Colorado ruling barring former President Donald Trump from the state's Republican presidential primary ballot. The former president, 77, and his lawyers were appealing the December 19th decision by Colorado's Supreme Court that found Trump ineligible for the March 5 Republican contest by virtue of violating the Constitution's so-called insurrection clause during the January 6th Capitol riot. Again, I go back to the fact of... You didn't try him. He was not convicted in a court. So therefore, how can it be like, in my mind, it'd be like saying, okay, we feel like you committed murder. So you're not going to be allowed to be on our ballot. It's like, but I was never convicted of murder. I was never even tried for murder. So how can you sit there and apply this conviction, which was never actually shown or levied against me? How are you going to use that as your rationale to remove me from a ballot? I just feel like, and here's the thing, that argument goes either way, either direction with me. It doesn't matter if this is going towards Trump. It doesn't matter if this is going towards Biden. If it's unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. Call me crazy, but I could have swore that that was something that we, we as Republicans, we as conservatives, we as libertarians, whatever you want to call us, conservatarians, I could have swore that was something that we really took seriously. And we didn't apply double standards just because it's not, or uh, sort of swinging against the person that we don't care for. I mean, it always swings back the opposite direction. We talked about those equal equal opportunity, or excuse me, equal opportunity. We talked about those executive orders. It sounds great when you're just signing these bad boys for the next four years, but then when the next president comes in, it's gone, puff, up in smoke. So there was no permanent change made. Trump's team um, argued separately that Congress, not the states, was tasked with enforcing the clause that the provision did not apply to the office of president. I did listen to this position of the argument and denied that the 45th president engaged in an insurrection by seeking to remain in office after his 2020 election defeat by Joe Biden. During oral arguments, Chief Justice John Roberts fretted about the possibility that upholding the Colorado ruling would open the door to red and blue states removing politicians of opposing parties from a ballot on a whim. Again, he's dead on the money on this one. Dead on the money. When we start getting our feelings involved in a lot of these things, just because we don't like what so-and-so said, we don't like what so-and-so did. And don't get me wrong, January 6th was a monumental thing. The nation's capital had a riot occur inside of it. I do not think it was an insurrection. I can understand the, the reason why. I get, I get both arguments on this one. I really do. But in my heart of hearts, I don't feel like it was an insurrection. But either way, either way, They never tried Donald Trump for this. So if a state can sit there and say, okay, well, put it this way. Hear me out. Riddle me this. What if we felt, and I'm being sincere here, what if we really felt that President Joe Biden should be charged in regards to the southern border, dereliction of duty, if you will, that you're not actually enforcing the Constitution, by securing our southern border, thus protecting the sovereignty of these United States. I think there's legitimately grounds there. Now, Texas probably 
I would I would guess if you're a Texan right now listening to the sound of my beautiful voice, such a beautiful voice. If you're a Texan listening to my voice right now, do you think it would be pretty fair to say that, hey, you know what? We feel like Joe Biden is derelict in his duties of being, you know, the president of the United States. And therefore, he's violated the Constitution. So, therefore, he shouldn't be on the ballot. Yet, there's never any trial. I mean, would that be fair? I mean, it briefs well, don't get me wrong. Sounds very appealing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not. But until that's true, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Until, you, until there's a conviction, until he's found guilty, until whatever the case, and you're legally found guilty, you cannot presume to imply guilt because it's, it's just an opinion. And that opinion is still an opinion, even if, it's for, even if it's from a SCOTUS judge in Colorado. It's still an opinion. They're trying to make it law. And Trump justifiably said, we're going to appeal this. And I, th- I think he's definitely going to win the appeal. But I think, here's the other part. The Colorado SCOTUS knew this. Other states know this. Now, here's the other thing that I don't think a lot of people are realizing. This benefits Trump in a very big way. That if the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court does rule in favor of saying, you cannot remove Donald Trump from the ballot. Therefore, it is recognizing that January 6th was not an insurrection. Or it could leave the door open to say that until there's a conviction, you cannot apply that label towards him. So as it stands, he did not commit insurrection. You might have a difference of opinion or differing opinion on January 6th in and of itself, but none of them were charged for insurrection. Criminal trespass, assault, assault and battery, a lot of different charges in there. During oral arguments, or excuse me, it'll come down to just a handful of states that are going to decide the presidential election. That's a pretty daunting consequence, Robert said, especially those swing states. Arizona, Georgia, the Blue Wall up north, the Yankees, the damn Yankees. These are states where Trump lost by a slim majority against Biden. Now, now imagine some of these, these states say we're going to pull them off the ballot. That secures Biden right there. Biden is banking on this. I really do feel like that. Well, it's crazy. It's crazy. Your Honor, the fact that there are more potential frivolous applications of a constitutional provision isn't a reason, argued Attorney Jason Murray, representing a group of Colorado voters who sought to remove Trump from the ballot. The question you have to confront, liberal justice Elena Kagan told Murray at another point in his argument, is why one state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. When you've got, you know, left-leaning SCOTUS judges up there kind of poking holes in your case, yeah, you're kind of done. You're kind of done at that point. You're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win this one. I, I really don't feel like they're gonna, they're gonna follow through on this one. They're gonna be like, yeah, get out of here. This is nonsense. You should have known better. Conservative judge Samuel Alito asked Murray about a hypothetical in which an administration, for diplomatic reasons, thinks that it's best in the interest of the U.S. to send funds to a foreign nation who described Washington as its biggest enemy, a clear reference to the Obama-Biden policy towards Iran. Could a state determine? that the person who has given aid and comfort to the enemy and therefore keep that person off the ballot, he asked. Murray contended that a state should not because the Constitution's language defining treason is precise. The clause in question, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, stipulates no person shall hold any office, civil or military, under the United States who shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Again, insurrection clause, this was brought about right after the Civil War because they didn't want Confederates to hold any positions of power in Congress or the presidency. I mean, it makes sense. They were even wanting to go so far as to say that people can't even vote. Which would ironically put him back into the situation of 1776, taxation without representation. Do you, see, do you see how this whole thing works? And I have to say, politics aside for one second, thank God we live in America. Now, sometimes these legal processes don't go the way we want them to go. 
but at least I still have some hope for our system that we can have leftist leaning judges look at this unconstitutional argument and say, no, no, this is, this is incorrect. Cause folks, I'm telling you like Amy Coney Barrett, I, I don't even know how she sided with Biden on the board border. Excuse me. I, I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. The clause also allows Congress to remove that disability and allow voters back on the ballot. Some of Trump's allies uh, in Congress have proposed legislation this week, formally declaring that he did not take part in insurrection when hundreds of his allies stormed the Capitol and disrupted the certification of Biden's victory. Of the justices, liberal Sonia Sotomayor seemed most skeptical of the pro-Trump argument that Congress is the main enforcer of the clause, noting that the Constitution requires a two-thirds majority to remove a disqualification, while Trump attorney Jonathan Mitchell appeared to indicate it would need a simple majority to impose one. Uh, While pointing to the history of the state's disqualifying candidates, Sotomayor was laying the groundwork for Trump to flout the constitutional requirement that he only, uh, excuse me, that he only serve up to eight years in office. Are you getting it set up so that if some president runs for a third term, that a state can't disqualify him from the ballot? Now, I listened to this part. The the lawyer argued this very well. He talked about, like, no, that's literally uh, stipulated in the Constitution. It says that you cannot do it. So, therefore, it's the state saying we are honoring the Constitution. Um, So, Sotomayor, like, kind of, I don't know if she intentionally was doing this because she was, you know, wants this thing to pass or I don't know. But um, he says, of course, I can disqualify him from the ballot because that is the question that is categorical. It's not diffusible by Congress, Mitchell responded. It's not categorical because Congress can lift the disability by a two-third vote, Mitchell later called, clarified in response to Justice Kentanchi Brown-Jackson. Again, they were talking about the implementation and enforcing of certain clause or certain things in the Constitution, whether it be at state, uh, federal level. And, you know, she even talked about, if she gave that example there as far as saying if a state wants to say that we are barring this person from the ballot because they're wanting to run for a third term. Well, that's clearly unconstitutional. And so she was trying to make that comparison in Mitchell's argument there. It's like, is that what your argument is like? No, that's not what I'm arguing. That's clearly outlined in the Constitution. And a state saying that we're not going to allow you on the ballot is basically honoring the Constitution. What they're doing here is the opposite of that. So he was trying to clarify his positioning there. And I think he did a very good job doing that. I, I, I did because it made perfect sense to me. It's like, I don't see how you could poke. And again, I'm not a lawyer. Far be it from me from being one. I think I, you know, I think I make a good lawyer. Your Honor, my client just really doesn't want to go to jail. That'll be 500 bucks. <laughs> oh, my God. How we doing, Rumble? How we doing? What are your thoughts, Rumble? What are your thoughts on this whole ordeal? What are we thinking? Your Honor, go screw yourself. Yeah, yeah. Probably wouldn't be the uh, the best course of action to take. I don't think it'd be like a, a good legal thing. Um, Trump has suggested a new RNC chair. Ron McDaniels, as many of you well know, has decided to step down, I believe, after South Carolina. After the RNC is bankrupt. Well, I shouldn't say bankrupt, but we don't have a lot of cash on hand for the 2024 elections that we actually need right now. Nikki Haley bombing in Nevada is still in this race. So technically the nominee is not Trump yet, but I feel it is coming very soon. Um, But Ronna McDaniel, niece of uh, Romney, is basically finally stepping down after so many calls from within the GOP to resign. And it only took her how long? Uh, Again, we have to push out there that this is a Trump endorsement. (laughs) I I gotta say this real quick, by the way. I saw this trending on Twitter. And if you're not following me at not John Burke, you're wrong. Um, Anna Polina Luna out of Florida wants to pass this, the Schumer bill. The Schumer bill essentially, I'm paraphrasing, calls for anyone in Congress that votes for war or to send, send troops, they themselves have to fight. Super. Great. And this bill was leaked. She made a tweet about it. It was leaked. Really? Real? Okay. Leaked, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And I already see people retweeting this as if this is the greatest and the greatest thing since sliced bread. And this is the reasoning why we have squishy Republicans. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to elaborate for you right now. Anna Polina knows good and well. Like, let me let me just let me ask the, the chat here, because the chat is they listen to my show. Therefore, they're really smart. Right. Why else would they listen to me? They're very intelligent. You answer me this. 
Do you think that bill is even going to hit the floor? Do you, do you really think that bill is going to hit the floor? Just curious. Because I'll tell you this right now. That would mean uniting Republicans. There is no way. Everybody in the chat's already say, yeah, no, no. Hell no. I doubt it even makes it out of committee. So the question really is, if we're all on the same page here and we all think this bill is going nowhere, then what's the intent of you proposing such a thing? Well, because it plays upon voter ignorance. I think your average voter is not looking at the, the, the number in the House right now. We're not looking at the number in the Senate. They don't know how the whole bill processing works. So it briefs well. It sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, who, who wouldn't think that sounds amazingly great and wonderful? It would certainly mean that Congress is going to certainly rethink wanting to send troops to any war or even money for that, for that matter. But if we know this will not make it out of committee or much less the House floor, if it does, for some miraculous reason, it's going to get blown out of the water, then what's the intent behind telling everybody about it? Folks, they think you're stupid. Well, in fact, they know you're stupid. It's not that they think, they know in their heart of hearts, they know it to be true. But you listen to the show, so you're clearly not. You have great taste. Might I add. This is grandstanding. Posturing, virtue signaling, because what does this do? Well, this appeals to the voter base. It briefs well. It sounds good. This is literally no different than we're going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. And then Trump comes back later and says, there was no legal way for me to enforce that on Mexico. It's not going to happen. But you bought it up. I mean, you, 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 we lapped this up. Why? Because we don't understand how Congress works. Trump can campaign on that. It's like, well, let's look at uh, which way which way does the House sit right now? Ooh, yeah, probably, uh, probably not going to make that happen. Which way does the Senate go right now? Not going to happen. So all this is, it's, it's no different than Ted Cruz dragging up Zuckerberg, sending him Tim What's-His-Face, just, just straight up thrashing into Zuckerberg. We get a, a viral clip. It circulates on Twitter, on Instagram. It's met with a round of just resounding Republican applause. But behind the closed doors and curtain, nothing changes. Why? Because they think you're stupid. And then people like me that will sit here and condemn them for this, I'll get attacked. And people will say, John, they're working for us. They're doing good. They're exposing the darkness. All you have to do at look is look at who is voting for which bill in terms of foreign aid to Israel and Ukraine. This is not outing anybody. They've been outed for a very, 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 very long time. In fact, they were so out, Richard Simmons thought it was pretty gay. They are that out there, folks. Can we stop with this nonsense? Can we stop with this nonsense? They did it to expose. Bro, just look at their voting record. That's all you have to do. There is no swamp. There is no deep state. It's just corruption. Look at how they vote. It's relatively simple. But why do we make all of these excuses for this grandstanding that is legitimately just wasting taxpayers' money? Do something more meaningful. This is not that hard to understand. It's really not. But people, they try and make it complicated by shrouding the entire ordeal of, look, look what our representatives are doing. And oh, they applaud, they applaud. And then there's those of us sitting there saying, okay, it breathes well, but it's not going to do anything because it's not going anywhere. Why would you, what, you just, you don't want them to, to succeed? No, I do. But if I see that, hey, you're heading for a brick wall and everybody is like, oh, but it breathes so well. Yes, absolutely. But hey, you're, you're heading for a brick wall. 
You're not going to, wh- why are you trying to stop this, this train from moving? Because you're not going to win. It's not changing anything. It's not doing any good. It's bread and circuses. And I'm trying to wake you up and make you understand and see this. So that way you can point the proverbial finger back at those congressional representatives and say, stop wasting our time. Get to work. But until we wake up and understand that we've got to stop accepting these meager morsels of performative politics for the sakes of clicks and votes and grandstanding, then can we really be upset with our congressional Congress, with our Republican Congress, for being spineless and toothless? Consistently, might I add. So as long as we are accepting of this do-nothing grandstanding nonsense, you cannot expect anything realistically to change. What that means is voters have got to start waking up and educating themselves and seeing through the lies. Primarily, can this actual suggestion be pragmatically implemented out of committee onto the floor? Will this actually become a potential law? Is there something there? And if you're you're sitting there saying that, hey, if Congress would never vote in favor of reducing their salary, and they will never do that, but they vote in majority favor of increasing their annual salary, do you really think they are going to sit there and vote in favor of saying, hmm, if we decide to declare war, we're going to the front? Did, Did you really think... The corrupt are going to do something like that. You can't be serious with this. And you can't believe that. I mean, you you really can't believe this. It's the truth. It's crazy. Well, after Ronald McDaniels is set to step down, former President Donald Trump is recommending North Carolina Republican Chairman... Um, Michael Watley to take over Republican National Committee, a source familiar to confirm to the Washington Examiner. This article comes to us from the Washington Examiner. It was written by Julia Johnson on uh, 7th yesterday. The soonest chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, would potentially leave and depart the RNC would be after the South Carolina Republican primary on February 24th, according to reports. Trump telegraphed a shakeup was coming in an interview that aired Sunday. I think she did great. When she ran Michigan for me, I think she did okay. Initially in the RNC, I would say right now, there'd probably be some changes made. Trump said on Fox News Sunday morning, Futures. A source told Fox News that a change in RNC leadership would take place after Balmetto State's primary. And what Watley was Trump's recommendation, Watley was Trump's recommendation due to his efforts against election fraud. So all we're seeing now is that Trump is endorsing. So again, he has to be elected for this. It's not just an appointed position. He's got to be elected. But what we're seeing now is Trump uh, throwing his weight behind someone that is a 2020 election fraud person, uh, which, again, I don't think I really agree with. But this person is also a hardcore Trump supporter. He's a Trump loyalist. That's going to be concerning. That's going to be very concerning. More importantly, because can someone like that unite the GOP? Because there are many people that do not like Donald Trump within the GOP. But I will, I will at least acknowledge the fact this, this guy, this, this, uh, this Whitley, excuse me, um, massive proponent for election integrity and securing elections. So there is a, there's, there's a silver lining to that. I mean, it's good. It's, it's good. Happy with that. Well, the RNC did not provide additional comment on the news of Trump's Watley recommendation. Watley has been a proponent of increased election security and integrity measures. One person familiar with the plan told Fox New York Times, excuse me, told the New York Times what Watley was a stop the steal guy. Still waiting to figure out where the hell that money went. A lot of money, $200 million, just poof, gone. Months after Trump's electoral loss to President Joe Biden in 2020, Watley continued to introduce him as our president. While Trump will promote North Carolina Republican as the best choice for McDaniel's successor, he will still need to be elected by the committee members who have been divided about leadership. McDaniel won re-election last year with 111 votes. Her closest competitor was California committee woman Harmeet Dillon, who received 51. And then my pillow CEO Mike Lindell also campaigned for the role, but only got four votes. Thank you, God. The faction of uh, committeemen and women recently attended an alternate RNC meeting last month, which overlapped with the RNC's winter meeting, according to Turning Point Action, which put on the event roughly 50 to 70 committee members were in attendance. What do we think? 
Another MAGA guy as the RNC chair? Because for me, my questioning is this. My line of questioning is this. Like, okay, can you at least be neutral enough in your positioning to let the RNC be what it is? Because Ronna McDaniel had already multiple times, because I feel like you should be in a neutral positioning of saying that, you know, we should suspend the primaries. There's no point in doing this. Trump's going to win it. That's not your position as the RNC chair. That is not your position. You're to let the people decide. Ron McDaniels, horrible at spending. Oh my God, I, I, I saw a breakdown of something like 40,000 spent on flowers, something, something like 20 double digit thousands in limousines, over a million dollars in consulting fees, just insane amounts of money spent on the most ridiculous things imaginable. Ridiculous things. It's going to be interesting to watch. Well, some good news here. Well, I don't know if it's good or not. You can be the uh, the judge on this one. Um, Carl Rove. Or excuse me. Good grief. Carl Rove did. Yeah. She hates politics. I'm, I'm reading Michelle Obama. Rove calls out theorists who see Michelle Obama replacing Biden. Um, let's listen to the, the soundbite here because this is a question I've had as well. I feel like the only person that would really divide or excuse me, unite the DNC could potentially be Michelle Obama. Let's listen to what these guys have to say about it. Carl Rove joins me this morning. Carl, I say Republicans are in disarray. My question is, who do you blame? Well, I got a simple answer for that. It's on the whiteboard. I blame everybody. I blame the members for coming up with stupid ideas. I blame the leadership for not being able to count the votes. President Trump killed the uh, the, the uh, immigration bill, uh, the border bill, uh, by intervening. I'm, I'm not certain that's all. In fact, I know that's not a wise move, but there's plenty of blame to go around, and it starts from the bottom, goes to the top, and goes back to the bottom again. Uh, RNC chair Ronald McDaniel reportedly plans to step down after the South Carolina primary. This looks like Trump's influence right now. It, it seems like this is Trump's party now, isn't it? Well, it's certainly in control of the of the national committee. Look, that's normal for a presidential candidate to have, you know, to influence over the direction of the national committee. In 2000, after George W. Bush secured the nomination, we sent our political director, Maria Sino, over to make certain that all of the activities of the national committee and of the presidential campaign were in, you know, were in were being coordinated well. Uh, and that's normal. What's unusual is to fire the chairman and try and put in your own person. The National Committee consists of three members from every state and the territories. They like to have one of their own be the chairman. They don't like being dictated to. The president, former president has already made clear he'd like the North Carolina chairman to be, the, be uh, Rana's replacement. And already there's, there's talk of members of the committee uh, putting up somebody else. Uh, it, it's a very delicate relationship any presidential candidate has to have with his or her national committee, party national committee, and uh, the president's sort of putting a, you know, his thumb on this scale, and it's, it's, it's a little bit more delicate than that. Is a Trump-Biden rematch set in concrete? You think that is the way it will definitely be in November this year? You know, I don't know why I say this, but but I don't think it will be. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you began today's program with the, the latest iteration of of uh, Joe Biden's memory problems. I mean, the other day he uh, had a meeting talking about how uh, shortly after becoming president in 2021, he had a, a G7 or G8 meeting and uh, he had a conversation with Francois Mitterrand, uh, who died in 1996. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, for something, something inside me says somebody's going to wake up on that side, Jill Biden or maybe a sister, Valerie Biden Owen, and say, you know, Joe, this is not the way for you to go down in the history books. Step aside, let somebody else be chosen at the convention, and let somebody else be uh, go into the lists against uh, Donald Trump in the in the fall. I, I just think the Democrats are not going to so uh, allow this to continue. You think that's how it's going to happen? Somebody close to the president, a well, family member, goes to him and says, just like they went to Nixon and say, "Time's up, Mr. President. Step aside." Yeah. Yeah, well, Nixon, it was Senator uh, Barry Goldwater who led a group of senators to say your time is up. But, but I think uh, uh, Biden is impervious to that kind of uh, input. I think it would have to be a family member. And look, I don't know. I, this may be hope rather than an expectation. This may be 
what I think would be best for him and best for the country and, frankly, best for the Democrats. I mean, Joe Biden thinks he is the only person who can beat Donald Trump in the Democratic Party. He may be the only person who can lose to Donald Trump in the Democratic Party. Well, can you deal with this quickly? I keep hearing that Michelle Obama will be shifted into the... No, you're shaking your head. It's not going to happen? No, look, look, look. She hates politics. Read her autobiography. She didn't want her husband to run for the state senate. She didn't want him to run for the president. She is not a political animal. And besides, look, Barack Obama was my charge at the White House. I dealt with him for three years. He's a smart guy. He would know that if, if Michelle Obama woke up tomorrow and said, you know what, I've decided after a life of hating politics, I want to be the vice presidential running mate or run for president, people would say, you know what, that's Barack trying to get a third term as president, and they wouldn't go for it. But the starting point is she hates politics. This is a weird obsession of the of the conspiratorial right, and it's just lunacy, pure lunacy. I had to deal with this in 2020 when this was running through the through the uh, President Trump's re-election campaign. They All right, well, to be fair, I mean, lunacy until it's actually proven true, and then that lunacy, that conspiracy theorism suddenly becomes like, oh, no, that's reality. It's certainly possible. Ted Cruz has floated the idea. I don't know. I generally don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Now, I do think, I, I, I have to disagree with Karl Rove on this one. I don't think Democrats would, maybe they would see it as, hey, this is Obama trying to go for a third term. But I kind of feel like Democrats would be oddly okay with that. You got to remember, Democrats loved Obama. He was their golden child. Folks, I get, I get, I get Mr. Rove's positioning here. But I certainly would not discredit this as just being, eh, because I remember when I first heard this, is like, I don't think so. But then again, the the more that you see Biden stepping on his own crank repeatedly, referencing having conversations with someone that's been long gone for uh, quite a while, the emperor has no clothes. The emperor has no clothes. So... It's not certainly out of the realm of possibility to favor someone like Michelle Obama. Who, who else they going to put up? Newsom? Newsom got shredded by DeSantis. He doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell. Because if he couldn't tack, if he couldn't stand up to DeSantis, he's certainly not going to get away with, with Trump. But I think DeSantis knew that. Or excuse me, I think Newsom knew that. They're not going to run Newsom. I originally thought they would. But after his just dismal performance, and even Democrats, like he got roasted. When they saw that, it's kind of like, well, Newsom's not going to be the pick. Who are we going to pick? Who do we have? Some people are starting to float the idea of Hillary Clinton again. It's not going to happen. Why? Now Trump is no longer the person that was kind of like, eh. Number one, Hillary Clinton lost to Trump. A lot of people in the DNC did not like Hillary Clinton, especially after what happened to Bernie Sanders. That dude got torpedoed by the DNC. So if... Clinton, if Hillary Clinton lost to Trump in 2016, and Trump has certainly gained popularity since then, and the Democrats are just doing such a horrendous job, you really think they're going to run Hillary again? I, I don't see that one. I just I don't see it happening. A lot of people do not like Hillary Clinton. So who else does the left really have in their arsenal? Who do they got? I'd seen somebody said Pete Buttigieg. Like, there's no way. There's no way that, no, wasting your time on that one. Michelle Obama, I'm just saying, I mean, it's, it's, I certainly wouldn't rule it out, but if they do run by here, here's the deal. If they run Biden again, he's not going to make it another four years. He is not going to make it another four years. Who's it going to be? Well, if he gets reelected, it's probably going to be Kamala. They invoke the 25th. He has to step down. It could be, it could very well be Kamala. And then we are really screwed. Really screwed. Because that woman, good Lord. You thought Biden was bad. Kamala's just, ab she's absent a brain. She can't even read a, a script from a teleprompter. Have you heard this woman try and talk? You're kind of like, who? you just repeat yourself and you say nothing but nonsense. It's crazy to me, but I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I would not rule it out. Last, most certainly not least, 
Uh, former Trump attorney Tim Parlatore, who's been on the show before, told CNN anchor Kayla, K- Caitlin uh, Collins, excuse me, Caitlin Collins, that former President Donald Trump is likely taking the bombshell appears, appeals court ruling personally because of the judge called him on the opinion. This comes to us from Tim Parlatore over on his interview with CNN. Let's give it a listen real quick. Uh, you, oh, yeah. you know Trump well. You worked for him. You represented him. There's kind of like a special class for all the attorneys who, who worked for Donald Trump, uh, I think, just based on covering them for so long. Uh, I wonder how you think he read this today. You know, the fact that he lost, that they rejected his arguments, that they referred to him as, as citizen Trump. I mean, how would you predict he's responding to this tonight? I, I mean, I think that he's probably taking it more personally. Um, you know, particularly the parts about citizen Trump. Uh, I think that he's uh, probably more concentrating on that. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, you know, one would hope that his lawyers, and he has some very good lawyers on this particular uh, issue to to try to, you know, refocus it on, you know, just the legal aspects, you know, have, have John Sauer go in and say, you know, th- this is the standard, this is what we need to more focus on than the personal. Tim Parlatori, great to have you. Thanks for joining us tonight. As you heard before, as you saw, um, Trump lost that appeal. That's good. That's going to hurt. That's going to hit hard. Kind of had a feeling he wouldn't, or he would, excuse me. What are you appealing? Was there a mistrial? Like, uh, yeah. Alina Hoppe really screwed the pooch on that one. He should have went with a better lawyer. There was a lot of people giving legal analysis, Tim being one of them. Just a very, a very piss poor job on her part to represent Donald Trump in that, in that case there. But that's what happens. Old Tits McGee failed you. All right. Well, <laughs> that does it for today's episode of the All American Savage Show podcast, folks. Glad to have you here. Thank you for being here. Hopefully, you enjoyed yourself today. We'll be back tomorrow at the same bad time, the same bad channel. If you've enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor. Is that locals button right there below you? Tap that. Go subscribe to the show. We appreciate all your love and support. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. We're paid by the people for the people to be a voice for the people with our own opinions, as you can clearly see. We're not bought and paid for conning politicianal types. That's I just totally made that up. We're going to go with it. We speak our minds here, and we actually believe in what it, what it is that we say. So we appreciate you being here. And until next time, we stay savage, America.